Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of the Random Wrestling Review. I'm Ben Spindler and I'm joined by old man Sam Kerry. Say hello, Sam. Hello, Sam. And Tom Smith. Say hello, Tom. Hello, it's the, the, the most impressive comeback of the weekend. Here he is. <laughs> Indeed, we did run a little poll on our Twitter and uh, you haven't won, I don't think, Tom, but you did come ahead of two people. So you've got to be, got to be happy with that at least. Well, I knew I was better than two of these, of these three other shit aces. Well, I was surprised at which one won out. Following <laughs> the recent arrival of CM Punk in AEW, which is still probably the biggest news in the wrestling world of the moment, um, but of course since then we've had SummerSlam as well and the various happenings from that show. So we wanted to talk about the CM Punk thing, but now that the CM SummerSlam as well, we can talk about both. Um, starting with, I guess, CM Punk. So obviously last Friday, CM Punk turned up on AEW Rampage in what was deliberately the worst kept secret in the history of wrestling in front of a massive Chicago crowd of 15,000 plus at the United Center. Punk's arrival kicked off Rampage and prompted a massive response from the crowd on hand before Punk cut a promo hyping his return to pro wrestling and his first match in the company, a pay-per-view bout against Darby Allin. Guys, what do we think of Punk's arrival in AEW? Are we looking forward to what's coming next? Where do you think this will all lead? Take it away. It was lovely, wasn't it? (laughs) The promo was, well, the promo is very good, but that's not what I'm in for. It's the pop. There's a clip on YouTube. It's about four minutes and twenty seconds, I think, which is just his entrance, which is unbelievable. I don't know how he doesn't burst into tears. If anybody reacted like that when I walked into a room, <laughs> I'd be crying like Ric Flair on a Wednesday. Just unbelievable. Great stuff. That crowd. Also, I was interested. I'm glad you said the crowd, Tinky, because I was looking, oh, that must be where they, they're having all out, which was obviously booked way in advance. Yeah. It's at like a 11,000 seat venue, I think. I bet they're like, fuck it, we could have probably sold out the um, the Cubs ground, I think, <laughs> the, the, the way it's popped off. But yeah, great stuff. I, I thought, again, like Omar said, the entrance is amazing. The promo is something I've got a little bit of an issue with, though if I'm being honest. And it's it's come off the back of seeing specifically the, the debut that I've seen in AEW was I watched the episode of Dynamite when Miro turned up. Yeah. And he spent the entire promo effectively slagging off WWE. And in this promo, CM Punk does the same thing. Now it's delivered a heck of a lot better than Miro's was because we all know that CM Punk is a great promo. But it just it makes me think, and we've mentioned this on the show a few times, by mentioning another promotion, it automatically, in my in my personal opinion, makes them feel small time because they can't stop talking about someone else. And we all know, we, we all know about CM Punk's run-ins with WWE, uh, you know, specifically referring to the podcast he did with his ex-friend Colt Cabana, um, in which he kind of said all of his issues about his staff infection and all, you know and, and his issues with booking and, and, and the company and everything like that. So we know that. So it may have been a bit more impactful, I think, had other performers who have left WWE and come over to AEW and the first opportunity they've been given has been one to talk about the other company. And I felt like had that not happened before, it would have made Punk's promo a lot more impactful than it did. I came out of it, despite the fact that it was delivered excellently, I came out of it feeling a little bit hollow. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I don't I don't think he couldn't. I don't think there was a way he could not reference it. I think he had to talk about it because he's been away for seven years and that was why. I think he could have done that on a different um, platform. I think yeah. he could have come out, could have done a promo about how good it is to be back in pro wrestling. 
wrestling, having been out for seven years, and then on any on any number of podcasts or interviews or even like an interview with AEW on their YouTube channel or something, it would have made it a bit more a bit more impact. But that that return is forever going to be him talking about WWE. He he could have if he had any sense, he could have joined us, couldn't he? Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I didn't feel like it was over the top or it was overtly all about WWE. I didn't really feel that way. I felt like he had to give something to the people who wanted him to say something on that subject. He had to, I think, to some people, give an explanation again as to why he'd gone away and why he couldn't stay where he was before. He didn't, in fairness, mention WWE itself. He alluded to no. it a lot. And I just think that he wanted to explain why he was coming to AEW. So in the things he said, he might have been a bit negative towards WWE, but I think in the majority of the cases when he was speaking about it, it was more because he was being positive about what AEW does and why he likes what they're doing. So that, that in some ways, I think then it reflected a sense that he was trashing WWE, if you like, but only because he was saying things that AEW do that he likes. And that's why he's coming back to AEW where he won't go back elsewhere so that was the way i kind of read it i didn't think it was i didn't think it was that bad i also think that if he did it again in a few weeks time or next week or whatever then it would start to be like oh is this just the cm punk blasting wwe tour but as it is he's got out of the way he can now move on to what he's going to do next which is presumably build to the match he's going to have with darby allen at the pay-per-view so i see what you're saying but i think there was i think it was a difficult one it's difficult to balance and i think he got the balance right personally but I also think it would be unfair to just categorise this promo as if it was just about the WWE or him referencing WWE, because I think it's actually more than just that. I think he got over really well how delighted he was to be back. I think he sold the emotion of the occasion, probably because he didn't need to sell it, because I'm sure he was very emotional by the, the rapturous response he got from his uh, Chicago crowd. And um, I think he got over the idea that he was really excited to be back and wanted to get moving, wanted to get working as soon as possible. He was really excited about working with some of AEW's young stars. He referenced a couple of them, most specifically at the very beginning of the promo when he said something to the effect of, you guys really know how to make a guy feel like Britt Baker in Pittsburgh, which is a great callback to the previous week where Britt Baker had been massively super popular in front of her hometown crowd in Pittsburgh and then also got over the match that he's going to have with Darby Allen and put that over and sold it and told us what the date was and told us the pay-per-view name so that he got that name out there and basically did the old school thing in the business which is put over the you know the next match or build to the next contest that he's going to have so I thought it was a, a great promo anyway regardless of you know if you even if you remove some of the stuff which was alluding to his time in WWE I think he got over a lot of other things as well and I think crucially left everybody wanting more which is surely the point here is just you know come back and watch more of AEW because CM Punk is now here. Um, do we know at this stage, but I haven't really followed any of the other news after his initial arrival. What is kind of schedule? Is, it, is he going to be full time on the roster? Or is he going to be just a part time in the sort of part time that he disparaged um, when he was in WWE, or is he is he fully there, or what's the what's the deal? So he says in his promo that he's here Wednesday, Friday, and once every few months on a Sunday. Going back to what you were saying about, because me and Tommy have had this conversation, we actually watched that Miro promo together around Tommy's house. And 
that ground my nuts because it was literally the first thing he does when he comes out is he slags off WWE a bit. And I think Punk just about gets away with it because I'm kind of in between the two of you because I, I, don't, I don't care if he talks about it. Well, sorry, I don't care what he has to say about it because I've heard what he said about it. I feel like it's grown that he's gone over. But I also understand that in his case, it's a cheap pop as well. And I don't think he needs the cheap pop. As I said, the pop is fucking probably one of the most incredible things I've ever heard in my life. But I also kind of agree with Tinky in that I don't think he could get away without saying it. And I think he kind of, he almost kind of brushes over it. The one thing that didn't work for me in the promo is the fact that, and I don't know how it was done, obviously, in the arena, but when they show Sting and Darby Allen, that was all done a bit quick. I kind of wanted them to play that out a little bit. And it would have been nice if Sting had just been staring down and then Darby Allen appears and he's like, I want you. And then Darby Allen appears and he's like, yeah, not you, you old fuck. I want Darby Allen, the young man who, who wrestles in the hot pants. You guys have definitely both seen more AEW than I have. Um, but is Darby Allen a bit of an underwhelming opponent for his return? No, not in my opinion. No, absolutely no? not. No, it's absolutely. Why, why is that then? Well, first of all, he's excellent. Like, he is an amazing wrestler in the ring. But also, he's massively over. Like, massively over. And it's also, I think, a really good sign that that's who they're putting him up against. Because unlike... See, this is the problem. It's so hard to talk about this stuff. And I think this is why CM Punk does it. Because it's so hard to talk about this stuff without referencing WWE. Because that's people, most people's reference. They understand those references. Um, but it's not like in WWE where, for example, you might have someone come back and then be put against, I don't know, Damien Priest, for example, is someone they're pushing quite hard at the moment. Um, and But it, it was a major star returning. So you know like it's going to be it's not going to do anything for Damien Priest and that person's just going to beat them and then move on not necessarily squash them or bury them but they're going to beat them and then move on with this I think first of all CM Punk should absolutely win and I'm certain will win but it will do a lot for Darby Allen just to be the first opponent for CM Punk in AEW in a pay-per-view match as well it's not like they're throwing it away on on Dynamite or whatever they're, the first match he's going to have is on a pay-per-view with Darby Allen is going to make him he's going to do him a lot of favors but also this is supposedly why and Punk said it himself why he's come back in the first place is to go up against all these young guys who are getting over massively and and are having great matches so it's entirely what i would expect from them of course at some point cm punk kenny omega is going to happen but i think this is the way AEW does things differently is that they they're in the business of delaying all their biggest matches as long as they can until they actually have to because they've got a pay-per-view coming up or whatever so i think punk versus darby allen is, is a great way to start and i also think it will in the long run mean that they've got something that they can go back to in future years because this is the other thing they don't tend to book rematch 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 they tend to have a match then leave it behind for months and months and then come back to it when it serves them best so i think it was i think it's a really good i think it's a really good opportunity for him derby allen and a great opportunity for cm punk to come back and have a really good match yeah he'll also uh i don't think he'll need it it's interesting it's like punk's 43 Kind of snuck up on me, just like the fact that you see, I mean, you look at him, he's in great shape. He obviously looks after himself. But Darby Allen's also a guy, I think, if he's having his first match in seven years, he can make him look good, I think. He can, he, he can throw himself around if he needs to for a couple of minutes and just kind of 
give CM Punk a chance to get his bloody lungs back if he needs it. Like I said, I don't think he will. Because you can tell he looks after himself. Yeah, it's quite a, it was quite the start to a weekend, wasn't it? Well, I'll tell you, it's amazing as well about it. So I this weekend was full of wrestling for me. So I watched... I watch Dynamite on Saturday morning, every Saturday morning, because it's on ITV4 or whatever it is, the night before. So I just record it and watch it Saturday morning. It has become the first time since the Attitude Era I've actually made time on a specific Ooh. point in the week to watch a show. It's That's how I feel about it. It's a good show. Ooh. It's a show worth watching. And then I, then I watched the Rampage Hour, because I have subscribed to Fight TV thing just just for this purpose actually was to watch the first few episodes of mm. of um the new show rampage because you can't get it in the uk at the moment on tv so i watched that full episode what's really interesting is there at the united center fifteen thousand people are there there's no major match on the show at all the main event is between um john moxley and a guy i can't even remember the name of because he's barely he's not like a big he's like a major star or anything mid card at best basically and like they sold 15,000 tickets effectively just to see CM Punk come out. Well, effectively, just because there was rumors that CM mm. Punk was going to come out and cut a promo. That's insane. That is an insane yeah. thing to be able to do. And also, I think it's worth bearing in mind that since WCW, there hasn't been another promotion in the world capable of selling 15,000 tickets in America. This is the first time it's happened since WCW went out of business. Obviously, in Japan, New Japan can sell that amount and many many more thousand but in america no one else has been able to do that but wwe do you reckon they'll start working the uh georgia thing <laughs> that's next surely that's the next big <laughs> one so what was also interesting though is the united center jim ross mentioned it on commentary he hasn't been back to the united center since 1994 apparently um and that must mean that the wwe haven't been back there since 1994 and the United Center is the stage of one of the very first shows I ever watched, which was SummerSlam 1994. So I would, that was kind of like a nice little thing for me as well. So I said it was a, a week of wrestling because then I watched SummerSlam on the Sunday. I say I watched it. I had it on. I didn't pay much attention. And we'll get to that in just a second. Then I watched the show that we're going to cover for the, the recording we're about to do in a minute. Um, and then we're now we're doing this. So it's just been like wrestling, wrestling, wrestling all weekend. It's been a bit mad. Can I ask you a quick question about um, AEW? Because I didn't really watch it, and you said they've got what they've got two TV shows, and they've got Dark as well. Is that right? Technically, they've got four shows. So they've got Dark yes. and Dark Elevation plus the Dynamite and Rampage. But the two, the Dark and the Dark Elevation. Certainly, Dark is on YouTube. I don't know about Elevation. I guess that's probably on. Is it, it might be on YouTube as well. I don't know. Because I was just looking at their their roster. It's massive. And it is enormous. They've got. And according to Wikipedia, they've got 111 people yeah. on their roster. Obviously, some are um, inactive because of injury and stuff like that. Is there not a concern that that could be a massive, like a massive issue with it all, with having such a bloated roster? Well, I'll give you, I'll give you my opinion on this because what, it was funny when you were talking about is CM Punk going to be full time or not. My response to that was almost nobody really is full time in AEW, like. They they obviously are like Kenny Omega will turn up every single week and most most of the most of the wrestlers will turn up every single week on a Dynamite for example, but Kenny Omega maybe wrestles once every three weeks, you know what I mean? So they don't do they don't I don't believe they do any house shows at this point in their their their, their existence either. So they don't really nobody really works full time not in the traditional WWE sense of the word. So I think the big roster actually gives them a really good way of doing things because. 
again, uh, John Moxley, the main event of that um, Rampage show was against just some mid-carder I don't think I've seen before on Dynamite. But they set it up in a little angle on Dynamite the two days before. And because they've got such a large roster, they can do that. Mm. If they didn't have that large roster, they'd, they'd be burning through matches super quick. But they're not because they've got that roster. So for me, um, I don't think it is going to be a problem. In fact, I think it works in their favor. I think that it's one of the reasons I really like AEW is because it reminds me of Chikara, which had a really, really large roster of potential wrestlers but they didn't use them every week or every time they had a show because it just makes everything, it allows you to be much more varied rather than having to put on constant rematches all the time, which is what WWE are finding following all the cuts they've made. Yeah, I mean, just to give you an idea, I'm just having a look at the Dynamite preview for this coming Wednesday. So they've got Old Spunky making his first appearance and then Varsity Blondes, which is Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison, which is one of the great names. I think, against the Lucha Brothers, which is Penta and Ray Phoenix. That's in some tight title eliminator. And then you've got Orange Cassidy and Matt Hardy. Heard of them. Jamie Hater versus Red Velvet. A man's fighting a cake. And then you've got... <laughs> so sick of it. <laughs> and then you've got Malachi Black, which is obviously Alistair Black, my boy Alistair, versus Brock Anderson. Mm-hmm. Like, to your point, Tinky, I, I'd be interested in seeing like the little spunky match and the tag match as well so i know i don't know griff but i know the other lads but yeah it's kind of like you're not like i mean we'll get into this with wwe and we don't really talk about the um the current products very often but i read the raw reports in particular and i mean they are at this moment in time they are literally having the same matches week after week i think there was a so at SummerSlam, there was the triple threat, Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, and Mickey A.S.H. And they have now had, including this week, I think it's the last five weeks, a match on Raw involving two of those three people, which is just absurd. It's just painful. What they've got going on in AEW is kind of like with UFC, for example. You've got, I think in UFC, you've got your UFC numbered events and then you've got your fight nights and then there's probably another show or so, you know, in, in sequence somewhere. And what you tend to get is the biggest matches happen on the UFC numbered cards and then the the, the lower down the spectrum, the rest the fighters are, the lower down the shows they are on, basically. Mm. AEW is almost exactly the same. It's set up in very, very similar way. So, for example, to explain that Malachi Black versus um, Brock Anderson match, that is a, as a consequence of the fact that Malachi Black's in a feud with Cody Rhodes. And um, when he first appeared, Malachi Black kicked Arn Anderson in the face and knocked him Have down. And Brock Anderson's his son. And Brock Anderson had just started wrestling and had had like maybe one match in AEW so far. And then last week it was revealed on Dynamite that he has challenged Malachi Black following Malachi Black beating Cody Rhodes in a match that they had on Dynamite a few weeks back. He's challenged him to get some revenge on Arn, uh, for, uh, for his dad, Arn Anderson. But Arn Anderson's telling him, don't go into the fight. This guy's a seasoned professional. He's going to beat you to a pulp. You shouldn't take the match. Uh, you shouldn't want the match. You should stop the match. And, um, and he hasn't been able to convince him. So they're having this match. So And it's, uh, it's effectively a start in Malachi Black against someone who's not a star but they've served a story into it it's a small story it's a small thread of a larger story that's going on but also holds some interest because you you care you're kind of in the midst of this Mm. this plot and that's why I'm finding it very engaging is that they have figured out 
something that I think we've been saying all year and probably for a lot longer before that, before we did the podcast, you don't need to have two main event guys in the match every single week. You just need yeah. a reason for the matches to happen. And they're doing it. They're actually making that happen. Interesting. It's quite, uh, it's funny because I, I remember like, I think I've spoken to you boys about this. I don't really give a shit. We're not, not particularly excited about Punk coming back. And then watching it, I was like, oh, hello. And then I've done a little bit more reading, obviously just listening to you talk there, Tinky, and I'm like, actually, you know what, this might need a little look. Because also, crucially, so Rampage is an hour, isn't it? Yes, it is. And obviously without ads, what's uh, Dynamite, hour and 25, hour and 30 minutes? Something like that. It doesn't take me long to get through it in the morning no. on Saturday. And then you like, if you want to watch Raw, you got to watch on BT Sport in the UK with the ads. I think this brings us well to WWE and SummerSlam that also took place at the weekend. Because I think, look, you know, the, the thing I found most annoying since the whole Punk thing happened, really, is this. And I, maybe you're right. Maybe Punk brought it on in some respects is this kind of constant comparison between the two. But not from a product point of view, but more from a kind of numbers perspective. There's loads of people going on about, oh, AEW did this many more viewers this week. So CCM Punk is a star. And then other people going, oh, well, it was still a million people less than watch SmackDown, for example. And you're just like, these. there's no analysis going into these numbers. So it's getting on my yeah. nerves. But in terms of the products, obviously we had SummerSlam. So it was there was a kind of comparison. And it does feel like WWE themselves have tried to answer the return of CM Punk mm. from SummerSlam. So let's talk about that. Obviously, both Becky Lynch and Brock Lesnar returned during SummerSlam. What were your takes on... I don't want to go into match quality because I don't think... Well, Tom's not watched it. I had it on in the background. And I think, oh, man, you probably have watched it. But for yeah. me, that's not really what's important. Nobody, None of us have ever said WWE's in-ring action isn't good enough. We've all mm. been quite clearly happy to say... There's enough good wrestlers in WWE. There's enough good wrestling in WWE. That part is not their problem. It's all in the presentation, the booking, etc. So I think that's the thing we should concentrate on. So just, yeah, thoughts on that? Well, the whole Becky Lynch thing is it's pretty good. When she comes back, it gets a great pop. But the way that it's done is just a mess. So, like, for people who don't know, Bianca Bella is supposed to be fighting Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks apparently isn't clear to compete. They've been advertising this match. And then Carmella comes down to some incredible heat. And I must say, she works it lovely. And then Becky Lynch appears. And then she kind of goads Bianca Belair into this match. Crowd are loving it. Crowd are absolutely loving it, to be fair. But then she beats her in like under a minute with two moves. And it was just a bit like, oh, OK. And it's a, just a great show of how you can, you've got this, Bianca Belair, this person has held the title since WrestleMania, and you look like you're trying to build her. She's beat um, a handful of people. I mean, the, the amount of genuine challenges that they have is small anyway, but she's beat a few people. This is obviously meant to be the rematch from WrestleMania, so people are excited. And then she gets absolutely buried by Becky Lynch. And I know the idea is that you now want to watch uh, them to have a match. But even with the short-term memory that wrestling fans were expected to have, I think that's quite a hard thing to get past. I think when someone who, while she's held the title for, was it, four months, hasn't looked particularly strong because of the wrestlers that are there, and two proper wrestlers come back, apparently Sasha Banks has kind of been tearing it, tearing it up 
I'm tearing her up since she's been back. And then you get Becky Lynch come back, who was another credible challenger, and she beats her in less than a minute. It's kind of the good and the bad. Did you see any of that, Tom, or did you hear about that? I just heard about it, but what I am intrigued by is to see what happens on SmackDown this week. Well, if they come back and expect her to be, Becky Lynch, to be a babyface, then they're probably going to be in for a rude awakening, I'd imagine. And then it will be a classic case of WWE massively misreading the room. If they come back and Becky Lynch is a heel, then it could be quite good. Better than shit. Well, this this is the thing. Like, I don't think either of those options are good. Like Becky Lynch. Well, I, I did. I did say. I did say. No, but I know. I get it. But I think what I'm saying is before this, Becky Lynch coming back as a babyface, a massive babyface, probably the biggest star in the company, would have been massive. Would have been great. Would have been superb. Would have been exactly where WWE should be going. Instead, they now can't really do the babyface thing because of what you just said, Tom. So they've got to go with the heel, and the rumors are that she they are planning to make her a heel. And you're like. I, I, I noted on Twitter that effectively what they did with Becky Lynch at SummerSlam was skip through six months worth of storylines. Yeah. A, a six month story, a comeback storyline arc. They just skipped. I mean, I guess there's, there's a degree to which because Sasha Banks was not signed off to wrestle, apparently, which is why yeah. she wasn't in the match with Bianca Belair. So there's a point part of it, which is maybe they felt rushed into it. They felt forced because they couldn't present that match. And the other rumor is that Becky Lynch's return wasn't supposed to be till October. So. I guess there's there's a part of it which is booking on the fly because they've had a problem, which I can I can kind of accept. But if it were me behind the controls, I'd have been like, okay, Carmella, uh, Carmella comes out, she has the match with Sasha Banks, Banks beats her, no, Bianca Bella, sorry, Bianca Bella beats her in sort of four or five minutes. Fans are really disappointed, they're annoyed. Then you do the Becky Lynch comeback, mm-hmm. and she gets in the ring face to face with. Um, Bianca Belair and you then tease everyone with anticipation of what could be a really big you know showdown between arguably the biggest babyface woman star of the time against the returning biggest babyface star and then you go on a journey where Bianca Belair maybe has a match on Raw or Smackdown with with Belair but for whatever reason there's a double count out there's something that stops them having a having a result and then they skewer into some of the storyline so that she can then come back to Bianca Belair for next year's Wrestlemania that would be for me how you do it because Mm -hmm. you want to you want to save this for a special occasion this is a big match that you want to you want to be able to advertise in the future and get people up for instead you just like spunked it away in in five minutes I just thought it was just I also commented that I sometimes think WWE do this simply to say look see we're not like other wrestling companies forgetting that this is what wrestling is built on mm. these fundamentals of what wrestling's built on you can't you can't it doesn't work if you don't li- live up to some of those fundamentals i would see yesterday and i knew what had happened on the card so nothing was going to be a surprise and i'd read that it wasn't particularly good and i thought you know what people are wrong it'll be all right and they're not they're not wrong and i was just like uh, i think you've summed it up perfectly tinky because also the what i was thinking when it happened i looked at bank bell i was like in theory what should happen now is she should fucking go nuts she should go off the rails don't need to happen at SummerSlam. could be a little slow thing over a few weeks and then she becomes the heel but she can't be the heel because of exactly what tommy said at the start and what you've just said it has to be Becky Lynch because of how she came back. Weird. Just weird. And then like with respect to her as well. Like you then look at the other people that are there and you've got Selena Vega who's just come back. Wasn't really a credible top level star when she came back. 
or when she left. And you've got Carmella. And then it's like, oh, who else are they going to fight? If you are WWE and you're concerned at all about any traction AEW might be picking up, and regardless of whether they will ever challenge WWE, because that even if it happens, it won't be for probably a decade because of the mm. penetration WWE is in the market. They will, however, take up time and money that people of people who could potentially watch WWE mm. instead. And that's where they that's where WWE will be worried. If you are worried, though, the best counter you've got, the one thing AEW hasn't done well so far, really, is their women's division. The one counter you've really got is that women's division because it's deep. There's lots of people in there. There's loads of established stars. Charlotte, Sasha, Becky, Bailey, Alexa, you know, huge amounts of really established big women wrestling stars. I think it may, may even be time to give them their own show, combine the whole women's roster into one show, give them their own just one title, one and the, and the tag team titles and let them go because for me that's the one counter you've got but even for going that extreme measure you should be spotlighting them more and you should be getting you know should be getting the booking spot on because that's where your value is right now in mm. comparison if you like to AEW uh and they they don't appear to well for, maybe I mean you could argue Becky Lynch coming back and having that moment is them recognizing that she's a massive star and a massive potential thing for them to lean on in terms of really creating a central part of their product but i would argue it was uh, uh, an example of them making bad decisions with long-term prospects which really it ultimately devalued uh, bianca belair and i think becky lynch being healed devalues her going into what you were saying about the only thing that they that WWE do massively have over aw is like is that 100 percent right and they haven't even got the the cool indie thing i mean the rumors are well we We'll be talking in a week's time, probably, about Adam Cole and about the, the that kind of NXT's change in direction and how it's going. Reportedly, he's left WWE now, so you'd imagine that he'd probably rock up in in AEW like a big a big NXT star and a and a and a, someone like that who, who that those independent wrestling fans would be you know clamoring to see as well. And yeah, that that's basically in theory all they've got over them, isn't it? Yeah, and it's something that. Because I was reading a little bit about Adam Cole baby earlier. And it's something that AEW now have over people, is that if I'm Adam Cole, he's, he's 31, 32, I'm probably thinking, I could have a bloody match with CM Punk here. And CM Punk might only have a couple of years in it. I need to get over there. And it's suddenly like, it's had a much bigger impact than I think I envisaged, even in a little short period of time about big so I can I can kind of see how people wrestlers may be thinking about and obviously what Tom's just alluded to about the apparent change in direction with NXT which just sounds like it's going to be terrible <laughs> as Tom said we probably will talk about that in about yeah. a few days time when when that, that episode when the next episode comes out one so let's move to Brock Lesnar obviously the other major talking point coming out of SummerSlam with a slightly new look thoughts on Lesnar's return no one gives a fuck. Move on. <laughs> more, more impressed, more impressed by the brood edge return than mm. I was by the idea of Brock Lesnar come back from the shit top mark. You know what? He he gets a great reaction from the crowd, which I'm not surprised about. But and in our little uh, WhatsApp group, and we've talked about this before. Tom said after he'd come back, he said, "Well, that's the credible challenge for Roman Reigns," and I think that in itself is the major problem, isn't it? is that they've had to bring back a 44-year-old man with a top knot 
who has they've wrestled, they've made a bit of WrestleMania, and it's like fuck me. And you know full well what's going to happen. They're going to wrestle in Saudi Arabia, and then they'll probably wrestle at Survivor Series, and then it'll be done, and then they'll be back to square one. I, I was surprised by the reaction he got because it's a great reaction at the end of a very good match. Props to Cena and Reigns as well. This is a very good match, but they're almost trying to go tit for tat mm. in a really weird way, and I don't know why they did it because you ain't going to compete. This is a guy that people have literally, since he walked out, have been gagging for him to come back, and he's come back for your your rival in inverted commas in his hometown in front of their, I believe, is their biggest crowd ever. Don't worry about them. Just give them that one. You've sold fifty three thousand tickets. Yeah. To a pay-per-view in Las Vegas. And what I read earlier, they have made an incredible amount of money over the weekend just from that event. So why are you worried? And also, I think it's such a, it's a much better visual. Him stood over, like him as in Roman Reigns, stood over John Cena to end arguably your second or third biggest show of the year in front of the biggest crowd you've had for two years. That's a much more powerful visual than your champion not running scared but walking out the ring because he doesn't want to front up to Brock Lesnar. It makes Cena look crap. It makes Roman Reigns look a bit crap. And it Brock Lesnar, not particularly interested, but it happens to be very good at it. Weird. Just weird. And also you've got two, two of the same thing on the same show and also consecutive pay-per-views. The next challenger is a part-timer who returns. I mean, that's a... And you had... Goldberg on the card. It's a pretty damning indictment like when you actually think about it. And I think Punk coming back has kind of made me as a casual fan look at it and go, ooh, that's a bit ugly. Can we ask why um, why uh, Brock Lesnar turned up dressed like Dean Ambrose? <laughs> it looked like... They, it looked, I'll tell you what it looked like, genuinely, and I'm sure this isn't true. It looked like they'd called him Saturday morning and said, <laughs> Brock, can you come to Vegas? Because he wasn't on Raw last night. And he's like, well, oh no, a pack well, allegedly he's going to be on SmackDown on Friday. But it's like, did they just call him? They might have done. They might have seen yeah, WWE and been, been like, I mean, there's two things I want to say about it. The first one is that you talked, Tom, earlier on about you, about CM Punk referencing your, the other company. I think arguably WWE responding in the way they did on for SummerSlam shows them to be more small time than AEW because as Tom, as old man just said, they made an absolute humongous amount of money from SummerSlam. WWE did. There's absolutely no reason for them to get all worried about AEW right now, other than to focus on themselves and make their own product as good as it can possibly be in the long run, not in the the next few weeks, in the long run. Um, but they they kind of obviously shotgunned a few storylines into uh, into being. And as a, as a some strange way, seemingly to counter the buzz that was there around CM Punk, which maybe it worked, maybe it didn't. I don't know. I'm sure the people who were, are excited for CM Punk being in AEW didn't change their perspective on it one bit. But who knows? The other point I wanted to make, though, was that there was a tweet that went up. I think it was from WWE's main Twitter account, although they have got about 400 different Twitter accounts when you take into account the WWE Network, WWE Home Video, WWE UK, WWE US, all these different Twitter accounts. But one of them was basically saying the the surprises of the week, and it had Brock Lesnar and Becky Lynch. And the word surprises was in capitals. And I was like, 
Well, first of all, that's obviously them referencing the fact that CM Punk's return wasn't a surprise. Mm. And it t- said two things about it said two things for me. First of all, it said what I just said about, which is that the sense that they're a bit small time here. Why are they why are they doing this? They don't need to reference AEW. But secondly, it says that everything about WWE's mindset, that the surprise is something to brag about, because for me, AEW brought CM Punk back in the most perfect way for them because it was huge. It was like really, really big. It drew quite a really very decent um, television rating. I think it was 1.3 million or something like that. And don't forget, this show is shown at 10 o'clock on, in America. So it's quite late. Um, and also, they sold out the United Center <laughs> in, in doing it. You know, that's how you do it. Like it doesn't the surprise doesn't matter when you can make that much money from just su- suggesting very heavily that this guy's going to be on your show. The fact that it wasn't a surprise was exactly the right way to do it. And mm. I think it says to, a lot about WWE that they think that the surprise is so valuable. And I don't think it is. I don't think that the surprise was. I think if you compare those moments, not that, you know, I mean, I'm sure lots of people have tried to do it. But I think if you compare them, the emotion of CM Punk's return was bigger than Lesnar or Becky Lynch's. Mm. And I'm not saying they weren't big returns. They were. But they were partially not as good because they were surprised, not because they not because the Punk one wasn't. So for me. Well, that said a lot about their mindset, which I think is worrying for WWE. Well, one of them does have a significantly longer absence than the other one, so there's always going to be bigger, I think. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I'm, I'm just waiting for, I'm just waiting for uh, my Bad News Brian return next week. Then <laughs> really nice to see a reaction from the crowd. Just w- one last note. There is only one thing that I will remember from this weekend in even two weeks' time, and it isn't going to be anything to do with WWE. And that's kind of it, isn't it? Like that intrigue will will keep people coming in. And what you said about the surprises, Tinky, was that that shows the weakness of the roster and the booking, doesn't it? Is that they're relying on two separate pops in a four-hour show on a show where you've already got two returning stars wrestling already. I do also think, like, I was a cynic. Of, I was an AEW cynic. Um, six months no, ago. No, you were cynic. <laughs> six months mm-hmm. ago, I was extremely cynical that AEW were providing anything that was worth my time. And it slowly dawned on me as I've been watching it. I didn't, I, you know, started beginning of the year, watched a couple of episodes. Like, yeah, it's all right. I, I may give it a watch again. Gave it another watch. So, yeah, it's not too bad. Gave it another watch. To the point where the last two months, I've been like, I'm in on this. This, this is what I'm looking for in wrestling. And I think... What it meant for me after the punk thing was that I watched the the, the three hour block of AEW stuff that I watched this morning, this Saturday morning, and then went out to walk the dog. And I was thinking about it. And then I remembered that SummerSlam was on that night. And I thought to myself, I don't care. And I'm like, I would I think about a month ago, I'd have probably been quite excited for Roman Reigns versus John Cena. And it's because what we've learned from WWE over the last at least 10 years, arguably longer is to not have any faith in them that they will deliver. We are surprised when they do. We, we, mm. We're really impressed and surprised when they do. Where, where it's come to AEW, from my perspective over the last few months of watching it, is that I am surprised when they don't deliver. And I think if it continues like that, and there's no guarantee that it will, like wrestling companies do go off the boil very quickly when, they, when things go wrong. But if it does stay like that, more and more people are going to go from being AEW cynics to then go, and I'm going to carry on. I'm going to keep watching AEW because I really like it. And then come to the realization that they're not that interested in watching WWE. 
because they realize that what they're not getting from them what they really want and not 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 everyone's going to be like that of course people have different tastes wwe will still have the much bigger fan base because they are much more established in the market of course they will but there's a reason why and you know there's a reason why for example there were still millions of people watching wsw when it was absolutely turd and wwe was thrashing it in the, in the ratings war because people have got different tastes but ultimately more people and i would say it's the more hardcore if you like or the more invested fans will, more of them will switch over i think to AEW and then start watching wwe because WWE's product simply from my perspective objectively does not match up in any way to AEW's. but it's a good thing it's a really good thing yeah and it, it will hopefully and this is what i will end it on it will hopefully bring out the best in wwe and I, I I hope that this weekend was a blip in the way that they did what they did. And actually what will come is in longer term, a better product and a more focused WWE on not just the short term gains of you know, shotgun in some new story into the mix, but the longer term gains of building stars for the longer term. And if they can do that, then we'll all be much the better off for it right that finalizes the end of our uh, bonus episode on the random wrestling review we will of course be keeping our usual schedule so i'll leave it there